Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. And before we go on ahead, Tony, I just thought of a question that I need to ask you because I <laughs> okay. was thinking of it the other day and like it's, it's on my mind now. We respond to movies? We've been saying that for a hundred some odd episodes. Like, yeah, what, what I do you mean, mean like, by responding? Like our response is like is like our reactions is a response. It's just like we comment back to whatever movie, show, or one shot we are currently watching. Okay, and that's different from the review. Yes. Okay. For reasons. Okay. Mostly the rule of three, because you need three things that start with an R when we made this like I, over a year ago. Okay, that works yeah. for me. Right. Well, everyone, today we are talking about Agent Carter Season 2, Episode 3, Better Angels, which originally premiered on January 26th of 2016. And as always, here's our IMDb summary. Peggy's pursuit of the truth about Zero Matter places her on a collision course with her superiors. Um, Yeah, this is actually an accurate IMDb summary. I'm very proud. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why it still messes with me that they're only like one sentence. I I just expect more. Like I I didn't know you were done. I was gonna say dun dun dun, but right. I with her superiors. Ah, dun dun dun. Thank you. All right, so we have we have quite a few storylines today. So let's just jump right in. At Doctor Wilkes' home, Carter and Souza find evidence that he was a Russian spy. Peggy is suspicious that someone is setting Wilkes up. Later, at the SSR office, they walk into a surprise visitor, Director Thompson. He wants Peggy to sign a report calling Wilkes a Russian spy and blaming him for the explosion. Was that an explosion? Uh, yes, that was oh, an explosion okay. of my chair hitting my desk. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have no chair or desk. Well, at least your computer is floating and you are fine. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um... How did the press know that Dr. Wilkes was involved in the explosion? That was my exact question also. Uh, And part of that question was also, why did they just, like, did did they just start asking any person who showed up to the house questions? Like, was it just, hey, you person who, like, just got out of a car? Because they they were asking Carter questions, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the press was already there, and Sousa and everyone was already there. Like, do they know who the SSR is? Is that, like, a known thing in the country? Um, we kind of had a similar question previously. But, like, yeah, so many questions around the press being there and why and why are they asking people questions and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I assume the SSR is known. I mean, Captain America was a known person. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if the SSR is just another government um organization everyone knows about true but i'm assuming they have a quotes from a lot of people just walking their dogs and stuff like that and they just mobbed everybody who passed by (laughs) okay that makes a lot of sense (laughs) um but yeah going back to your question of how do they even know it was wilkes um i don't know was that okay if i remember correctly at some point in the episode there was a, a leak to the paper to the newspaper talking about this. Whoever leaked that, did they just tell someone also to to tip that and get that like kicked off earlier? 
And maybe they didn't say anything about him being a Russian spy, but maybe they said something about like, oh, this guy was in an explosion and he worked for Isodyne. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense because they, what do they call this version of Hydra? The Alpha Club later? Is uh, that this episode? Uh, yes, it is this episode. Okay, the, the Alpha Club, not the Council of Nine? Or is that no, next Well, week? they do call it the Arena Club. It's ah. like to the to the greater people, the whole club is the arena club, and the Council of Nine are the people who are the secret organization. Got it. The eight of them but, plus one. Yeah, the eight plus one. The nine pieces of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, where oh, uh, I assume that to get it off of uh Whitney's uh suspicion, not that anyone was suspicious, be suspicious of her anyway. This random actress. Mm-hmm. Um, they. Leak the only other person who was there, which is B. Wilkes. That makes and sense. Give give a target. Yeah, it's better to blame a dead man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So obviously, we get the quote unquote evidence that he is um a Russian spy. Um, whoever planted this was hoping that Peggy or someone else just like clomped around really heavily. Because I'm surprised that they found the gun and stuff under the the floorboards. Just like, does Peggy just walk really heavy? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Although I I don't know. I you know I'll, I'll watch a lot of like procedural TV shows, and they always look for that kind of stuff. You know, hidden compartments. Yeah, they were, you're saying they would have found it eventually. Yeah, I think eventually because. Like, what Peggy said was that they just made it very easy to find that stuff, but it was still mm-hmm. hidden, right? They were still, like, yeah, not, they were still making it... Obvious. Exactly. You still had to do the work to find it. And maybe there was other stuff, too, hidden throughout the house that they just never showed in the episode. Like, that that's mm-hmm. theoretically possible. Yeah. I mean, they did show a few things. They found enough evidence to really put him away if Peggy <laughs> didn't believe in him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, so the only other thing I have is, uh, Sus- or Thompson showing up. Uh, not awesome. Well, I thought he w- we were done with Agent Chad Michael Murray. Yeah. But... I... Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was going to say, yeah, I, I remember he's in the rest of the season in episodes. I don't remember much else other than that. Yeah. So is Thompson, like, the head of the entire SSR and Susan's just in charge of the LA branch or is Thompson in charge of the New York branch and Susan's in charge of the LA branch? I think that they're both in charge of their respective branches. Okay. And the... and ahead, Thompson yeah. is just throwing his weight around, I guess, because he used to be. It, there, there was a point in time. Yeah, basically there was yeah the, that time when he was Susan's boss and yeah, he's just kind of used to it. Yeah, because I'm like, why the hell did Sousa take his BS if they're equals? And you're in pretty much Sousa's home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's probably just used to it, used to being the, the you know, big one, big person in charge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, you ready to move on? Oh, yeah, always. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they go to see Howard Stark to get info about Zero Matter, but learn a lot more. Later, Peggy recruits Howard into helping her infiltrate and bug the Arena Club. So, um, they show up on Howard's, uh, 
movie set, mm-hmm. <laughs> which had the best security because these guys, Jarvis and Peggy, just you know, walk into the background of the shot. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from what I've heard, like that's pretty easy to do. Like, like, well, once you get past security, like th- there really isn't a lot of security. From mm-hmm. um, and the the reason I heard this was because this was back when the um in the final season of game of thrones uh if you remember that there was a starbucks cup like in on yes. in one of the shots yes um and so some people in a podcast i was listening to were defending that saying like yeah when they're filming this stuff it's chaotic like there's a bunch of people around and they have the camera on and then they're they're filming just this one section and you just kind of have to be around like as another actor or actress you're just kind of you're there sort of in the background um Maybe you're waiting around because you're already in costume and that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, just chaos. There, there's stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, it's just such, uh, such like a small area of what's actually being paid attention to. And in this case, with uh, Carter and Jarvis, they just happen to be in that small section uh, in the shot right in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you got to think, I mean, this is the 40s. There's no people with their cell phones taking pictures and no internet for them to spoil, uh, put spoilers online. Or if spoilers even showed up, they don't care. So I don't <laughs> think it's a huge deal. True. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. so uh, we have Kid Colt, who is an actual comic book character and a real person in the MCU, apparently. A historical figure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this because it was kind of meta. It's just like... Uh, Peggy going, you know, uh, movie based on a comic book is never going to work. And then Howard saying, but it's a comic book based on a real guy. Which is like, comic books are based on real people because you live in a comic book universe. Exactly. Or yeah. not. I'm wondering how many comic books exist that aren't based off of real people. But the they... only comic books we've seen in the MCU, at least to my knowledge, is Kid Colt and the Captain America comic book. That's all I can remember, too. But we don't know. Maybe there are already some X-Men comics around. They showed up in Logan. Yes, based <laughs> on real people. <laughs> Not that it's part of the MCU. That's yeah. true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only superhero toys we saw back in the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were of the Avengers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was trying to remember if there were any comics in, in that scene, but yeah, I... I think it was just the the toys. So um, I don't really know much about Kid Colt. Tony, I don't know if you did any uh, research into that character. I did. I like he premiered in Kid Colt number one mm-hmm. and uh, which premiered in August 14th. Or, I mean, August 1948. So actually a year after this takes place. Oh, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, but no, that's that's yeah. all I have about Kid Colt. And he sometimes shows up in the Marvel comics, like when they go time travel stuff. So there was a second Kid Colt that showed up in yeah. the comics. Uh, and this is a lot more recent. This is like, you know, the original Kid Colt is a Western person. And the, mm-hmm. the new one just kind of took his name because he, he liked it. Um, but he's a horse superhero. Oh. Like a humanoid. I did skim that uh-huh. <laughs> when I looked up Kid Colt. I, there are two. It said there are two, and one is a horse. I'm like, huh? Well, that's obviously not the Kid Colt I'm looking for. So I read the other <laughs> stuff. That's true. Please tell me more about the new Kid Colt because now I'm excited. 
Yes, just reading that, I, I just had to read more. So I'm going off of just some notes that I wrote down off of Wikipedia. <laughs> but uh, uh, basically, he was when he was a kid, um, and I don't remember if uh, he chose this or his parents chose it, but someone chose to let aliens mess with his DNA. And so he became this uh, humanoid horse type of character and because he liked westerns he took the name of kid colt also he is a vegetarian well yeah he's a horse <laughs> so he is like a anthropomorphized horse like a bugs bunny style you know how bugs bunny is a rabbit with hands and stuff he's a horse with hands and stuff i believe so yes yeah actually you know what here i have the link let me just click on it on my computer and look at it yes yeah can you please tell me if it says any superheroes he interacted with, so I can make plans for when he finally shows up in the MCU. <laughs> so <laughs> Which he debuted. Watch out for. Um, this character debuted in uh, two, January of two thousand in the Heroes Reborn Young Allies number one. Um, I don't know who else is in the Young Allies team, but if when I click on this in Wikipedia, I am given the choice of between DC or Marvel. I'm going to go with Marvel on this one. Okay. Always a good choice on the Marvel podcast. Uh Although we do reference Batman frequently, so who knows? True. Um, Is this in the future? I I can't. So, all right. So I'm looking. (laughs) No, no, I'm looking at the the characters in Heroes Reborn. And um, there's Bucky named Ricky Barnes. So I'm wondering if that was a future. I'm not familiar with Ricky Um, Barnes. No, neither am I. Okay. Uh, And then we have... uh, IQ, uh, Ishmael Questor, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, O and K, which are manifestations of order and chaos. And finally, Toro, who is a humanoid bull. I know Toro. Toro was one of the people who showed up with Captain America and Neymar and the Human Torch back in the 40s. Ah. The the Invaders was their team name. Because, you know, World War II and whatnot. Okay. That's the only one I recognize out of all that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And thus concludes what I have from Wikipedia. Oh, God. I. (laughs) Well, you know what? The late 90s and early 2000s was a very weird time in comics. Unlike now, where it's totally normal. You know, 2008, Rocket Raccoon and Groot were added to the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, totally normal Mm -hmm. nowadays. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Again. With with the examples of Rocket and Groot, nothing is off limits in the MCU. I can't wait for this version of the Kid Colt to show up sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, from what I can tell, that's like a, a maybe a kid teenager type of uh, superhero team. So, um, it sounds yeah, like maybe I, hmm? young versions of old comic book characters because they're allies, quote unquote. So I figure they're like the allies versus Access World War Two. Yeah, and young Bucky allies. And Toro. Yeah, name. Bucky yeah. and Toro. Or mm-hmm. Ricky? Ricky Barnes and Toro? Yeah, well, who goes by the name Bucky? But Ricky Barnes was the name. Yeah. I'm and I did confused. not click on the link for that character. So We are not diving into this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Kid Colt is obscure enough without... He shouldn't be Kid Colt. He should be like... Foul Colt. Foal? Foal? Is that a baby horse? F-O-A-L? Oh, I have no idea. 
Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have Fold. never pronounced that. Yeah. Fold cult. Fold cult? Nope, it doesn't work. Can't say it. Or at least I can't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to talk to Howard. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he makes a reference to um, Howard says that they were out late. They rapped late and Irene Dunn rapped later. Uh, just want to call out Irene Dunn, who was an, an actual real actress in the 30s and through the 50s. Not a horse person. Um, but she was in... Uh, frankly, she was in no superhero movies, so I didn't recognize any of the movies she was in. Oh, all right. Yeah. Her big ones were Theodora Goes West's Love Affair and The Awful Truth, which I've never heard any of them. Or watched, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, no, I've I've... I've watched all of them. I've just never heard of them. It's a very strange situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, they ask Howard what he knows about the pin and all this stuff. And apparently um, Howard recognizes the pin as belonging to the arena club. Which is strange if uh, Wilkes was in the arena club because he was black. And that's not something pseudo-Nazis like, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that's... uh exactly what Stark was saying. He uh he had a whole couple of lines about it. Um also, this was like th- that pin has been a mystery for like two episodes now, which I don't know how much time has been, let's say at least a week in uh, yeah. Carter's mind. Like she really should just go to Stark more often cuz he just knows so much. Like I know yeah. he's, you know, always busy with things like inventing <laughs> stuff or directing a movie or sleeping with women <laughs> or that sometimes, yeah. Um but uh, he's a he's a very useful resource that should probably be uh, contacted more often. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, when I think of Howard Stark, I want to see what happened in his life to change him from this guy to um, the older version that we see in like Endgame and Iron Man Two and Captain America: Civil War. Oh, he's like, well, I mean, well, that I I know the answer to. What what his, happened? His mustache changed. Uh, yeah. Uh, or, I mean, I would think, like, <laughs> a little more seriously that, um, like, Peggy and his wife, who he eventually meets, just beats the misogyny out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and But it also takes away any sense of humor he used to have. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he's he as a character, as far as we know, hasn't been on a lot of adventures, right? Like he, you know, in, in the first season of Agent Carter, he kind of had to leave the country and flee. Like he he's never been in like like Iron Man situations, right? Because that super changed Tony Stark. Yeah, you know, in the first in Iron Man, like he was basically like his dad, and then ended up in some crazy situation, and then now he's super different. And uh, I wonder if this similar thing happened, like if during the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. or actually maybe just before the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, something happened. And then he was like, you know what, I'm going to start something. I'll call it I'll call it S.H.I.E.L.D., but I should figure mm-hmm. out what that acronym is and, and then I'll tell people about it. And then he <laughs> just kept going from there. Yeah, I mean... It's possible. I really, I don't know. I'm just like, 
I'm sure he had some adventure spy stuff. I mean, he worked very closely with. He was. I I figure he's essentially the um, Nick Fury, of the forties and fifties. Him and Peggy split it. Really? Slim and f- yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the founders. There were three founders of Shield. They say in Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. it was Peggy Howard and um, Tommy Lee Jones. I forget his character name from the first uh, Captain America movie. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So he had to get his hands dirty occasionally, I would think. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's true. I just, I mean, do you think he's already? had those like it as at this point in time in the agent carter show do you think he's already had his hands dirty in a few missions like would that have been during the war or just I other mean, miscellaneous things he i think the most dangerous thing he probably did was flying captain america over enemy alliance and he remember um so he can skydive and save bucky mm-hmm. because okay. i think if Howard were in a real life and death situation afterwards he would take you know his weapons going missing and all and um Dottie almost killing him more seriously because we see here he doesn't even remember who Dottie is until Jarvis reminds (laughs) her what she was wearing (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's a good point because yeah yeah and I was gonna go with something like oh maybe he was like kidnapped or something but no like that happened previous season um it could be something like maybe he did meet an alien or something and that like opened his opened up his mind to like a bunch of other things well yeah i mean that's that's exactly what happened to tony right it wasn't until mm-hmm. uh avengers where he took this stuff seriously <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. yeah um i feel like if Agent Carter continued for a few years, we'd see some good character development with him. Uh, That's true. Yeah, I mean, he only maybe. gets a few scenes every couple of episodes. So, yeah, yeah. We, we probably I'm would al- have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also second-guessing myself because the tone of Agent Carter, it's not like these characters change that much over time. Jarvis is still silly Jarvis. Um, Carter, I mean, Carter's always been a badass, but she doesn't really change that much in two seasons where where you consider agents of shield where they go from the beginning of season one to the end of season two those characters have already changed a lot yeah that's true to be fair like half of them were all new to situations right you had Fitz and simmons and sky and they were all super different like because they started off new like carter and stark i mean they've they've been through some stuff like they've been through a whole war and other things too yeah. probably like I, I i don't know if i see if i would imagine them changing as much yeah i mean we're almost halfway done with season two oh i mean uh, we're a third of the way done with season two and jarvis <laughs> is just as silly as he was in the first episode <laughs> that is true yeah he he hasn't changed you're right you're right <laughs> uh, i don't know i mean i'd like to think that because that's one of the things we really like about on, an ongoing series at least i do i think you do too is that mm-hmm. these characters change over time. We talk about a lot in S.H.I.E.L.D. and then seeing our, the Avengers through 11 years right now of stuff, you can see how they've changed over the years. I'd like to see more change for 
Peggy and Howard and Jarvis, even after two seasons. But that's true. Whatever. Yeah. Eh, all right. I mean, um, <laughs> Jarvis Jarvis does learn the deadly arts. So that is true. He's very useful yeah. now as a as a fighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We see that later oh. in this episode. Yeah. So in this section, there's only one more thing I want to talk about is when they actually go into the arena club. Um, they want to supposedly want to recruit Howard Stark, yet they do not give any interest into what Howard Stark wants because this club seems extremely boring, takes way too long for drinks, and don't allow any women. <laughs> Why do they think they could get Howard into their club? <laughs> I... No, I'm I'm with you completely. I mean, to them, it's probably just a status symbol. You, know, you get other people with a ton of money, and that just means something to them. And yeah. if they get Stark, like, oh yeah, another big known name. But uh, yeah, they they didn't even think at all of uh, well, trying to make any kind of concession for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get why they want Howard, but uh, why they think they could get Howard with this this deal, I don't get. Yeah. Right. Well. Uh, so he, to make it more interesting, he lets all the women in, which is a great way to get Peggy in with all of them. Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. That's my uh, last note for this section, if there's anything else. Uh, I, so I have one thing. Um, so I didn't catch the guy's name that was giving Stark the tour and all that, but, um, what, when all the women went inside, he like called security and said that they have a code pink. So Mm -hmm. was this... Is the code pink like just any women at all? Or is it like this specific thing of 20 people just showed up and ran inside? I would bet it's any women at all. Okay. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Maybe it's like code hot pink. It should be for like 20 women. That's what they should have said. (laughs) (laughs) That would make more sense. All right. And then the other thing, I had heard this before. But I didn't look it up because I'm just thinking of it right now. Um, I had heard that pink used to be a color that men wore. And then over time, like it it switched or, you know, people got very gender specific with things. And I think around this time that we're covering, like I had heard, I think around World War Two was pink was uh, a color that men wore more often than than women. So that might not be or that code word uh, code pink might not be a uh, quite uh, anachronistic. I may have not said yeah. that word right too. Uh, anachronistic. So it is anachronistic. Uh, anachronistic is when it doesn't fit in the right time. Ah, so, okay. Um, no, true. Maybe it's strictly a coincidence because maybe they have different colors for different things. And maybe pink just happens to be women and they'll use like, code baby blue if they're out of salt for their martinis or something like that they'll just like it's just coincidentally (laughs) girls are pink where now we know that uh heteronormatively pink is for women okay that makes sense yeah i'll take it they were just going down the list and all that all right cool (laughs) then that's all i have for for this section of uh storyline two Alright, so while Peggy is uh, bugging the secret meeting room in the arena club, she notices some newspapers from the next day. 
Someone enters, and she is trapped, hiding under the table. Unfortunately for the bugs, unfortunately the bug she is in trying to install malfunctions, and Peggy has to make a stealthy escape. So, um, we see the newspapers that Chadwick's opponent will be dropping out of the race the next day. Did I miss something? Did we establish that the day is July 15th? Or is it something because they tell us later that it's tomorrow's newspaper? We should have just assumed. Yeah, I, I think that they because they tell us it's tomorrow's newspaper. Like, I, I missed that too. I thought that those were just newspapers. Yeah. Well, they zoom in on the date. So it's like, all right, it's July 16th, which I, I remember that as my sister's birthday. Like, hey. Oh. um, Yeah, but... Yeah, I'm like, they should have told us beforehand what the date was, and maybe they did, and I just didn't pay attention. Considering that we both missed it, it could also be that neither of us were paying attention. (laughs) True, that's likely for us. (laughs) But the more important thing, how did they know that the Yankees picture will win his 200th game? Because if this is tomorrow's newspaper, that hasn't happened either. Well, maybe they control that too. Yeah, they could have rigged the game. We've I didn't cover this last episode, but they mentioned that they controlled the Great Depression happening, the stock market crash of 1929. So maybe the, the, it wouldn't surprise me if they control the Yankees if they want to bet on stuff. That's true. Yeah, if they want an easy way to make money, you know, yeah. they they need some some pocket change considering how they how much money that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um. This is more of a theory, because I don't know if they... And this goes to later in this episode. Does the bug malfunction because... Um, uh, because Wilkes is in the room? Do they establish that? Or is it just weird? I don't think it had anything to do with Wilkes. Um, because she was putting bugs in a bunch of other places, too, beforehand. And... I assume Wilkes was around her the entire time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't know if maybe they have some technology in the room to stop those kinds of things like that, that makes it get loud. And maybe that's why Peggy didn't decide to just put another one from her purse inside the room. I know why oh. it just hit me. Uh huh. Whitney Frost invented the radio wave thing. That's one of her, um, she's really good at working with radios that uh-huh. we talk about next episode. Yeah. She probably made something so radios can't work in that room. Oh, like a jamming signal kind of thing? or Exactly. Oh. Yeah. That would make sense. And she definitely knows what goes on in there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing about the newspapers. Don't you miss the good old days when a sex scandal is the only thing needed to ruin a politician? Yes. Very much so, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, a simpler time. And then, of course, this episode aired a week after um, the most recent inauguration. So I was like, oh, it hurts my heart even more. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's when this aired? Oh, man, I just... I, I don't oh, have wait, no, those, no, those dates. Like... I'm completely wrong. This happened a year beforehand. Oh, okay. All right. Because <laughs> he got elected in November of 2016. The inauguration is January 20, 2017 of the next year. Okay. All right. I'm a, I'm a year off. 
<laughs> so this is foreshadowing history. <laughs> Got it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Good old times. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, ready to move on? Yep. All right. We're moving away from the arena club. And that kick-ass meeting room. Yep. Thompson watches the Zero Matter footage and is interrupted by Vernon Masters. Masters wants Thompson to turn over the Zero Matter found they found to the FBI. Later, when Peggy brings information about blackmail against the senator, Thompson uh, tells her to stop and she calls him out for being a coward. Thompson tells her that she is to head back to New York. After that, Thompson hands the Zero Matter footage over to Masters. I think I got most of the Thompson stuff out of the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, Masters comes and asks him, eh, maybe not for the Zero Matter, that's what I thought when I wrote this, but apparently the footage that they found about the Zero Matter. Uh-huh. Thompson asks, or Vernon says, you should give it to him. Thompson says, oh yeah, we'll definitely give it to you, or something similar to that. And then Masters walks away, and you can tell Thompson is unsure because for a good like six seconds he gives concerned face before the commercial break <laughs> <laughs> i want i, I think uh, i would like vernon to turn to turn around it's like why are you staring at me <laughs> you seem <laughs> concerned <laughs> like he he was walking away but he just happened to notice like a little like a mirror or something and he, he noticed agent chad michael murray had the concerned face <laughs> yep <laughs> and then he, I feel like he shoots uh, Chad Michael Murray right there because he can't be trusted because he is, his conscience is talking to him. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not what you want when you're yeah. trying to recruit someone into the Hydra. Uh huh. Yep. No or whatever conscience. they're calling it now. <laughs> not Hydra because Hydra was very much a Nazi organization, and this is right after the war. <laughs> True. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Gotta give us some time. Uh-huh. A few decades <laughs> um, or so. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Peggy knows exactly what's up because they went through this crap last year with Thompson just being afraid of um, upsetting people and wanting to be the hero. Yeah, she is not uh, really giving him a lot of leeway, I guess, if uh, if anything happens. She's like, no, I'm just I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing, Thompson. It's cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, um, that's pretty much I have all for Thompson's section. I just didn't want to skip over it because I think his concerned look was important for the future yes. show. <laughs> yes, very important. Do you, have any, yeah, do you have anything else for him? Uh, no, nothing there. Um, but I think that now is a is a good time to uh, stop and uh, uh, tell everyone. The, what was that? Smell, stop and smell the roses. Yes, we'll smell the roses, okay. and uh, also we'll uh, we'll plug a little ad for our for our sponsor so um tony you remember uh we previously talked about our sponsor kick-ass layers right so this was back yes during a uh, uh an episode of jessica jones um so they're like similar to an airbnb but for evil layers and they are so successful that all of their competitors mysteriously went out of business well today we're here to talk about their new meeting rooms division so we've all been in the same annoying situation before. 
and Kick-Ass Layers is here to save us again from the monotonous process. If you need a meeting room for your secret evil meetings, I always recommend going with Kick-Ass Meeting Rooms. And it's not because I got a picture of me in the mail once with the cross uh, hairs <laughs> over my head. Uh, anyone can do that with Photoshop. It definitely wasn't them. If they bring only 10% of their level of innovation to the meeting room service as they did to their layer rental space, I just know that their competitors will also go out of business mysteriously too. <laughs> All you have to do is use an app on your smart speaker of choice and reserve a meeting room today. As a special for using this new service, all bookings made within the next month get the free Lava Pool background upgrade for half off. Half off! That's 50% less money for 100% more Lava Pool. Remember, a special for this month only, June of 2019. And don't forget <laughs> to use promo code MCU Rewind to get a free fancy seat upgrade for the entire room. I think you might be misleading our listeners because they know for a fact we record these ahead of time. <laughs> they might think oh. it's actually June. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it, it's September for us recording these. Uh, and I don't know when this episode is supposed to go out. Like October, mid-October or something? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, okay. Eh, either way, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think that's the part that's misleading our customers. Our, uh, our <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if any of our listeners think any of these are real. Because... Sorry, buddy. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> or or ma'am. Don't want to judge. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Objects begin to float around in Peggy, a known side effect of zero matter contamination. They go to Howard to find out why this is happening and use a formula to, he developed to see what is making this phenomenon happen. I use the word happen twice. It turns out to be an intangible Jason Wilkes. For the small amount of time he is visible, Wilkes tells him that about Frost's involvement in the explosion. Soon, Stark makes him visible again. So, um, Peggy's pretty much told to go back to New York. She storms out of the room. Stuff starts floating. And all her other problems don't matter, because stuff is floating. That's a pretty pretty big problem, I, I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if things started floating around me, I would probably ignore my other problems, too. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it is a means she could potentially die or explode or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be scared of exploding, too, if pencils were floating around me. <laughs> I'm sure it'd I don't be know on what the I'd be afraid of. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be on the list, yeah. <laughs> I'd be, I mean, number one, I'm being afraid of being poked in the eye. I mean, pencils. And I think scissors are flying, too. In that. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Gotta get some glasses. So, I've got a strange possible connection. Maybe a headcanon. Okay. Um, back in Season 1 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., my f one of my favorite pre-Winter Soldier episodes was Fizzt, F-Z-Z-T, where the Chitauri disease made things float before you exploded. Or, I mean just died you floated in the burst of light and you died i guess you uh -huh. didn't explode um do you think the chitari used zero matter and this that disease is a side effect of using it it's possible i mean if it's a thing that just makes stuff float i mean that that could work yeah i mean there's no reason why they didn't use zero matter to like 
make their chariot things float. You know, in Avengers, they had those. There was no set of propulsion. We don't know what they used to fly those. So <laughs> there's a chance it was zero matter. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, that, that works for me. I like that headcanon. I'm going to take it for now. All right. Headcanon accepted. Woohoo! We should write these down. Yeah. Well, no, uh-huh. they're headcanon. They have to stay uh-huh. in our heads. Okay. That works. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Stark develops the formula, which is based on like photos and film and how photos is developed and how to make it stick on the film. Stick is a technical term. Uh-huh. Um, how to stick on the paper. Um, it makes absolutely no sense that this sprayed in the air would make any radio waves or um, electromagnetic waves visible at all. This, I mean, this this is a stretch. This is a, too far of a stretch for me, for my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> well, that's just your opinion, man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. <laughs> Given the description that he said, yeah, there, yeah there's no way mm-hmm. that that's that's probably. Um. Then again, this is also a world where zero matter exists. So I I don't know. I I can't always not suspend think, my disbelief, my belief enough. You, sus- or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Suspend your disbelief. Yeah. yeah. Because you're 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 making your disbelief not work anymore. You're suspending it. So. Ah. But um, I think my problem is he's describing real science, developing photos, which I did in high school. I took a photo class developing photos so that's real science and he's applying it to this made-up thing when you may use made-up science for made-up things i can't prove it wrong (laughs) okay this makes no sense (laughs) also my other problem my other problem with it is he says that it would make um all different waves from the electromagnetic spectrum appear so instead of seeing Wilkes there we should see a amorphous blob of all the electromagnetic waves that are showing up all the li- all the things that don't show up in our vision. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. In a comic book, maybe he would be drawn that way, but in a TV show, they don't want to spend the money on that. It's true. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that spring on his vocal cords—you know, the thing that helps you see—lets <laughs> us hear him. <laughs> well, okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the vocal cord part. Because I was thinking about that. That one bothered me a little. And mm-hmm. I think that the solution that he made also made it solid. Like, not pure solid, because, you know, we see Carter, like, trying to touch him and that doesn't work. But mm-hmm. in order to hear, you know, your, like, tonsils, whatever internal stuff, like, vibrates. And your vocal cords. Yeah, the vocal cords. And so he made them a little solid. And I'm sure, like, the rest of his body is probably, like, just a little bit solid, and so they're able to hear him enough. Okay, I'll maybe he wouldn't sound okay. Maybe he wouldn't sound normal, but I'm, I, I, I would I feel like that. he would sound really, really quiet. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so the question that I had was, how much of this stuff did Stark just know? Right, because he made that solution, and then he just sprayed that spot where Wilkes was. How did he know Wilkes was there? Just, I mean, stuff was floating nearby already. 
uh-huh. I think. So, I guess it, it was just like, whoop, lucky the first spray made it visible. <laughs> I mean, he could have been walking around for minutes, spraying random places. True, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Plus, also, when Wilkes, uh, Intangible Wilkes, can see where uh, um Howard's about to spray... So there's no reason why he didn't just rush over there to get hit by the spray. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. He Wilkes can't hear them, so he mm-hmm. he knew it was coming. Yeah. I mean, really, he shouldn't be able to hear them because or see them because of how eyes and ears work, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, there are still explosions in space in Star Wars when that doesn't make sense either. So I'm willing to let that pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so earlier when we introduced Wilkes uh, previous weeks I said I couldn't go into the story because it's a spoiler for the show this is a spoiler <gasps> uh, in the comic his one comic appearance he was a scientist who tried to make a invisibility ray but he accidentally made him invisible and intangible and he could not switch the ray off so he was like that forever end of story oh yeah, it's like a Twilight yeah. Zone episode. Well, yeah, I mean, it was um, Tales of Suspense. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the comic we talked about the other day, or other week. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I think essentially that's like Twilight Zone. There were a lot of shows like that in the forties and fifties and sixties when sci-fi was becoming big for the first time. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and the only other note I have is when he came back, he has no confidence, like, the second time he came came back, he has no confidence in himself at all that he could make himself tangible again. Which, I mean, come on, man. You're working with Howard Stark. You got, you got a a little bit of optimism. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's possible. No one's ever done this before, so that's got to be exciting. Something new to, to play around with. Well, yeah, but if it's, like, literally your life, I don't know how excited you should be. That's, yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Whitney Frost and Calvin Chadwick think they're getting away with framing Wilkes. Peggy goes to confront Frost. She denies knowing anything about the explosion. Afterwards, Frost acts rattled by her encounter with Carter. She convinces her husband to send someone to kill Peggy Carter. <gasps> yeah. Um. So has Peggy's strategy of calling, just walking up and calling people out. This is the second time she's done this this season. Has it ever <laughs> worked? <laughs> yeah, it works right here. She, uh, someone tries to kill her, and. A little bit of a spoiler. Next week, she is able to use this as a clue, right? Because she, it, it worked out a little for her. Um, not in a planned way, I would say. But, uh, you know, just throwing some chaos into the mix, that helps. Yeah, I mean, it's not, isn't she supposed to be a secret agent? <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's it was a wartime agency mm-hmm. that they weren't really spies, the SSR, and now they're, I mean, no longer in war, but they're still an agency that does 
stuff in the U.S. Don't really yeah, I mean, know what. At one point, she was definitely a spy, as we find out next episode. Slight spoilers in her flashbacks. That's true. You're right. Um, <laughs> so she should have some spyly tra- strategies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Peggy. I'm losing confidence in you. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, Whitney's new disfigurement and possible powers, it makes her want to retire from acting. But uh, Chadwick's being a little selfish. He doesn't want to overshadow the election. What an ass. I know. I mean, it makes sense if all you care about is power. You just finish the damn movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's 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 true i mean him being a senator does help them both and yeah if she wants to you know have more clout yeah that will help her more in her goals mm-hmm. yeah. all right um yeah except for one little bit this is the only part with frost and uh chadwick is there anything else you wanted to cover for them uh no no i'm good Alright, so while unwinding for the day, Chadwick's assassin tries to kill Carter. With Jarvis's help, she fights off the assassin. The next morning, Jarvis installs Stark's new security system. So I do like the amount of different types of weapons in this fight scene. They, there's wire, there's a pool skimmer, there's a knife, a frying pan, and a couple of guns. <laughs> yeah, nice little grab bag. Yeah. So another, like, I, I don't like, I love Peggy. I don't want to keep um talking poorly about her. But this <laughs> is the same Peggy Carter who, while being run down by, almost run down by a taxi cab, she just stands there and keeps firing and eventually kills the guy in the moving target before Captain America saves her in the movie. How is she just shooting his hand and not killing the guy? <laughs> <laughs> um because she was aiming for the hand? I don't think she was. Oh, if anything okay. you aim for the leg. <laughs> if you don't want to kill him. Yeah, okay, I guess that's true. Um yeah, I I don't know. I'm out of ideas after that one. <laughs> uh luck, maybe? Maybe yeah. she was aiming for the leg. Or maybe she was really lucky when she was shooting for the guy in the head with the taxi cab. Oh, yeah, or that, too. You're right. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's fair. We don't actually know how good of a, a shot she is, like how accurate she is with that. I mean, I'm assuming she's mega awesome. That's 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 true, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. She um, has her own show. I mean, think of Tony Stark when his uh, um his aim with a gun. It was perfect. <laughs> In Iron Man 3. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. Anyone who gets their own show is really good at, at shooting a gun. We haven't seen Daredevil shoot a gun, but I'm sure he's very accurate. I'm sure. I'm actually really sure he's very accurate. That's true. Um, he was a bad example. Any of the other Netflix characters are probably bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Iron Fist knows how a gun works. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> He just punches. Well, no. He does use a gun in the last episode of the second season. (laughs) You're right. 
So maybe uh, Jessica. I don't. I don't know if she ever messes with guns because she knows she's just strong enough. I'm trying to think if she ever used a gun in three seasons. I don't, I don't think she think does. So. Okay. Yep. Just, for some reason, Jessica Jones can't use a gun. It's not that she chooses not to. She is. She does not know how they work. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's a little far. That's a little far. Okay. <laughs> she's a bad shot. <laughs> <laughs> so um when jarvis is um installing the security system he the security system opens the door and tells him in jarvis's voice that you are not authorized for this to enter this part of the building um is this considered a, a foreshadowing or a callback to jar the electronic jarvis <laughs> um i don't know However, this does give me another question uh, in a, mm -hmm. a similar vein. So, do we know for a fact that within the MCU, Tony Stark was like grew up with Jarvis around? Because the reason I'm asking this, like, this is a scene where he has where we hear Jarvis's disembodied voice. Mm -hmm. um, is it possible that um, Stark Senior? just had a bunch of recordings of this voice and you know tony stark just grew up hearing it he was like oh you know it kind of reminds me of home so i'm just going to use that voice for his own it's, jarvis it's possible but the the evidence that jarvis was around in endgame jarvis is still his butler mere months before tony is born so i feel like jarvis was around at least in um Stark's early childhood and might have had like good memories of him when he was growing up. Like maybe if even if Jarvis was only around until he was like six or seven, he would remember. Oh. Okay, all right, that's a good point. Okay, yeah. cool, fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, back to your original question, um, I would call this a callback. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I think yes, Jarvis is already dead. Now he's the Vision. Yeah, in, exactly. Yeah, at the time. <laughs> Who also is dead. Oh no, you're right, is not uh Yeah, not, not at this in, moment. In this, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I see what you Plus, mean. Plus also feel like he's gonna come back in WandaVision. Some one way or the other. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, it's not called Wanda no one. <laughs> WandaVision. <laughs> well, she just gets some glasses. Oh, okay. And then, well, it looks like very 50s, so they're probably 3D glasses. Yeah, and then they break, and then maybe she has to get some LASIK surgery or something. I don't know how that worked in the 50s, but probably, like, it was. It took some time. Not? <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably not. <laughs> or that, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. All right, so um, apparently they're at a dead end, and Howard needs to go to Peru to talk to Abner Brody. Um... I mean, in the 40s, they may not have had phones in Peru. But I feel like that's a little extreme. But um, Abner Brody is a combination between two um, Indiana Jones characters. Is uh, Abner Ravenwood, which is the guy Indy's looking for in the first movie. And Marcus Brody, who's like his best friend at the college in the first and last movie. So Abner Brody is just a callback to Indiana Jones. Or oh, Lucian. interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so my last section is really three tiny sections that I just stuck together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Susan discovers that Whitney Frost is a scientist named Agnes Cully. Thompson is brought into the arena club and meets Chadwick. And in a sentence I never thought I'd say, Whitney is almost fired from a movie, and then she absorbs her perverted director. <laughs> now, so, yeah, did you, prim- did you oh, specifically think, oh, that's a sentence I don't think I would ever say? Or you were just surprised by the sentence existing? A little bit of bull. Well, no, I've never thought, hmm, here's a sentence I will never, ever say, and then thought that sentence. Because, you know, I never used the word name Whitney. It was always like Michelle or Francis or something like that. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was never around the money. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone ever thinks of that. Oh, this is a sentence I, I don't think I'll ever say. And then they write it down and check it every few months just to make sure. I feel like that's something <laughs> like, people should do more often. Well, that's something I see on Twitter a lot. It's like, this is a sentence that has never been said before. And since people are reading on Twitter... At that moment you're typing, it has never been said before. People might read it out loud in the future. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so I have a one note each for these sections. Um, actually, the Agnes Cully thing. Um, Agnes Cully developed the radio hopping technology. Um, I actually looked more into that because, uh, you know, I talked about Hedy Lamar in a previous episode. Uh-huh. Um, the radio hopping technology is also the basis for our cell phone technology. So she helped develop cell phones. Oh, awesome. (laughs) The wireless signals for it? Yep. Or radio signals, I mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's all I have about Agnes. I think we'll have more for her in next episode. Um, And then we get uh, Thompson sees the newspaper headline to prove that Peggy was telling the truth, but it's already too late. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun. Because the newspaper went out, and the Yankees yep. won, and he wanted to, to make a bet. Ugh. Well, you know what? If you're not in New York City, like if you're in L.A., you have no proof the Yankees uh, the Yankees won. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they lost. <laughs> I mean, okay, never mind. There are radios and telephones at this point. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. And then finally, um, I think, you know, the guy was perverted. And I guess he deserved to be absorbed. <laughs> I guess that's fair. That's that feels a, a bit too far, like just a just a step over. Then well, again, I, I feel like. Oh, I, I was gonna say. Then again, maybe in his past there were some other things that he did that. Okay, that that justifies it. Yeah. Also, I feel like he was going to force himself on her, which then definitely clutches it that he deserves to be absorbed. But you don't want anyone to go through that, so absorb them first. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. At that point, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I was not sure where that was going to go in that scene. I completely forgot. But, yeah. Okay. yeah, I knew she absorbed people. I didn't remember this particular person being absorbed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and because you know, same same thought. Like remembering that she does absorb people, but not knowing who, and it was surprising just re-seeing it again the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah. Also, the more she uses her power, the bigger the cracker the cracker the crack gets. <laughs> also, crack doesn't sound right either for other connotations. Anyway, um, I like the phrase again, "scar." I think that's what I keep using uh, 
in my notes for next week's episode. Yeah, I yeah, I guess Scar sounds better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does remind crack. me. I might have mentioned this last time when she first got the Scar. It reminds me of Doctor Doom in the two thousand five Fantastic Four movie, where the more he uses the power, that. the more yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> when it comes back, that does not happen in the MCU Fantastic Four movie, which will happen eventually. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's not how fan- how Doctor Doom works in the comics. So, <laughs> uh, electricity powers. No, yeah, he's like he's like one of the best villains. He uses technology and magic together. Yeah, that part's really cool. He's like, I I think I remember some friends talking. He's like the second smartest man in the world in the universe or the, the on the planet and the second best magic user on the planet. But he's always mm-hmm. fighting Reed Richards, the actual number one smartest, or <laughs> or he's fighting Doctor Strange, the number one best magic yeah. user. Like it's never never works out for him. I, I want to see um the adapted Doom War. Have you he- heard of that one? Um, maybe the name sounds familiar. It's Latveria versus Wakanda. No, I am not familiar with this, and yeah, that sounds I've, really cool. I feel like that'd be a great way to introduce Doctor Doom before the Fantastic Four come in, in like Black Panther two. Yeah, I'm. I honestly, I'm just more excited about Doctor Doom showing up because I don't really care for the Fantastic <laughs> Four, but Doctor Doom, awesome villain. I've been waiting Unless, for him. Unless they get Chris Evans to play Human Torch again, then I'm oh, excited. <laughs> then I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll have to CG him down. Not as skinny as Skinny Steve, but skinnier than he is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I think now that we're talking about this, we're ready to wrap it up because we've <laughs> talking about Carter. All right. Sounds good. All right, everyone. So this has been uh, season two, episode three of agent carter please uh listen next week when we're going to be talking about episode four smoke and mirrors uh and until next time uh please follow us on twitter uh we are at mcu underscore rewind and please tell your friends to follow us and subscribe to our show and all of that stuff or just take their phones and uh find their podcast app and just just add us to their to yeah. their feed because they'll i'm sure they'll appreciate it uh and we're also always on the hunt for more ratings so you know apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast app is uh and until next time this is the marvel cinematic rewind signing off have a marvelous day oh, I'm